What are you uh, What are you doing for lunch later? Um, I actually brought a lunch today. Oh. I have some leftover steak. What about you? Oh, not bad. Uh, heading to Caruso's. Ooh. At about noon or so, give big, or take. Big Caruso's fan? I am a big Caruso's guy. It was nice at GU. They had a uh, really good discount for GU students, actually. Your, think, uh, your favorite sandwich shop in the area? or um, It's a different kind of sandwich shop, I think. Um, local ones, Seamus, Garland Sandwich Shop, High Nooner. Yep. Subdivision, On Division. You got the Meanies. Oh, yeah. Domini's is, is very good. A nice Spokane classic. It's been around forever. Um, Spokane actually has a, a d- decent amount of sandwich shops, I think. They do. They have a, a pretty decent selection. One if, cannot be mad at no, a sandwich any part, shop. No, any part of town, and, and you'll have probably some sort of local sandwich shop to uh, you know fulfill your, your lunch needs, I think. You got a favorite one out of those? I don't think I do have a favorite. I just mm. like I like sandwiches because they're they're nice because they're not too heavy. So if you like go out to lunch, you're not going to feel like bogged down for the rest of the day. You know? Yeah, that's fair. That's so fair. That's that might be that makes sense, right? Yeah. No, okay. I, I completely agree with you. Okay. All right. Well, um, yeah, I'll, I'll let you know how uh, how Domini or not Domini's how Crusoe's goes. Cool. Sounds like a plan. It's a uh, it's actually a lunch meeting, um, but it it still counts. Uh, all right. Well, here I am rocking the show solo again. This is. Uh, this is the locker room on Spokane Talks. We are uh, here in the Holly Mason building. I'm pretty excited here on this 12th of August, downtown Spokane. I'm your host, Justin Reed. And uh, you guys are messing with my script there, I see. Now it's Austin Rude <laughs> as my name. Thanks, guys. That's Much what we're here for. That's awesome. Uh, all right. Uh, let's get our, our sponsor here on the, uh, on the call. Uh, let's, talk, let's talk some Lucky Bird. Uh, this show is sponsored by Lucky Bird, a Spokane-based e-commerce and digital marketing company dedicated to helping local companies scale in the online world of e-commerce and digital marketing. Visit LuckyBirdBrands.com to have a down-to-earth, no-pressure conversation about your digital marketing and e-commerce strategies today. They are pretty cool. They are they are a pretty swell company that we uh, owe much thanks to um, for being a, a great e-commerce digital marketing team in, in Spokane. You like T- Lucky Bird? I do like Lucky Bird. 10 out of 10. 10 out of 10 all day long. All right, we are here on show number 55, which means I have some uh, former Mariners and Seahawks players to talk to you about. We'll start with the Mariners here and Gil Mesh. Longtime Mariner actually had a sh- lot of shoulder, elbow, arm issues throughout his, throughout his career. One of the top draft picks in the early 2000s. Never really uh, became what he was supposed to, um, but Gil Mesh, nice name there. Number two, Michael Saund- Saunders, the Condor. Uh, also a Mariners draft pick. He's a Canadian. Um, played uh, played in, in Seattle for a while. Had some pretty big moments. Um, kind of a little lanky, but the Condor is a pretty cool nickname. I like that nickname. I think that fits. That's a, to be fair, that's a pretty good nickname. It is a pretty cool nickname. Like, and he didn't come up with it. Some I don't know how exactly it came to be, but if I was him, I'd be pretty happy that it wasn't something lame. That, you know, not like the Condor. Yeah, that's one that'll stick with you. That's a good one. Yeah, definitely. Uh, last Mariners player here, Rowan Elias, the most recent um, actual halfway decent number 55 for the Mariners, a Cuban-born player. Uh, went on to pitch for the Red Sox. I think he actually might still pitch for the Red Sox. He also had some uh, elbow-shoulder problems, but a lot of big-time big time moments for him when the Mariners weren't very good, uh, which is uh, has been a long time. has been a, a very long time now. Uh, here on the Seahawks, I didn't realize they had a guy named Michael Jackson. Uh, there he is, number 55, uh, before Michael Jackson. This was back in the well, – actually, I guess probably right when, when, when Michael Jackson was, was still black, right? 70s? Is that right? Uh, I don't know, actually. 70s, 80s, somewhere in there. That um, seems but, right-ish. But this is, this is a different black Michael Jackson. <laughs> uh, actually, rated as the best Seahawks uh, 
to wear number 55 of all time, interestingly enough. Uh, Brian Bosworth, the Boz, uh, the most infamous number 55 in Seahawks history, if not NFL history, uh, came out with so much promise, was absolutely crazy and insane and flamed out uh, because he couldn't make it. Uh, then we have Heath Farwell. He played on the Seahawks Super Bowl team, was a special teams captain for that team. Uh, didn't really do much on defense, but he ended up becoming a special teams coordinator. And uh, I think he still is in that position around the NFL today. Big, uh, big Heath Farwell guy. Frank Clark, Seahawks drafted him in the first round. Actually, this is the uh, second round. Um, he uh, played a lot of memorable seasons in Seattle. Was actually traded to the Kansas City Chiefs a couple of seasons ago for a nice draft haul. Uh, he was, I think we talked about Frank Clark uh, actually a few, about a month ago, but he's uh, currently facing some federal gun charges. Not good news for him. A lot of big moments again uh, for Frank Clark out of the University of Michigan. And current Seahawks number 55, Ben Burkirvan out of the University of Washington. Doesn't really do much on the field outside of special teams. He's a little undersized. But uh, with a name like Ben Burkirvan, you'll always be recognizable and noticeable, right? That's a, that's a pretty unique name. That's a pretty good name. Ben Burkirvan, it sounds like... Uh, Sounds like he's a warrior. It has a very like gladiator. Roman gladiator right. warrior name to it. Ben That's what Ber I thought. Kervin. That's when he was drafted. I was like, this guy's going to be really tough and really good. Um, he's he's fine for for again what he is. He's just kind of undersized. Um, Sounds like a name you'd hear in like the Coliseum or something. Right, and like introducing Ben Burkirvan facing off against the seven lions here. He's about to get eaten, but long live Ben Burkirvan. Long live. All right. Did you guys watch the end of the Olympics? Anything near the final Olympics? Um, I actually did not watch much of the Olympics. I no particular reason. I just was yeah wasn't really paying attention. Wasn't I don't know. It. That's fair. That's I fair. Think Vinny watched a decent amount, but I'm not sure. No, he didn't. All right. Well, he probably did. But United States ended with the most medals across all the countries, including the most gold medals, beating China by one and finishing in first place in the total medals by wow thirty five. That's uh, pretty darn impressive. What's really interesting, though, is that uh, the women for the United States actually uh, earned 66 of the 113 total medals by the United States. I think it just goes to show that the United States in general is leaps and bounds ahead of every other country in the world as far as its women's sports. Uh, we pump more money, more resources, more energy into uh, keeping the women's teams, women's sports actually competitive across the, the world. Uh, this is now the third Olymp Olympics in a row where the women's Women Olympians have actually earned more medals than the men Olympians in the United States. Uh, it's actually, I mean, it's really impressive for what they've been able to do. Uh, it's still true that world worldwide women's sports not really seen as very interesting, very instrumental in, in other countries. And uh, some of that is just whatever you want to call it. But that's the reason why revenue streams lag behind in a lot of sports. And, you know, when you compare it between men's and women's. Uh, but I think it really goes to show that the United States does a really good job at promoting and enhancing women's sports, especially comparatively to the rest of the world. Uh, there's probably still room to, to do better. Uh, there's always room. I feel like there's always room to do better, though, right? Like there, in, in, Yeah, in, there's in always every, room to do better. In everything. Like, there's always, if you're not actively trying to get better at, at anything, your craft, your job, uh, you know, making the best sandwich you can make, then, you know, what's the purpose? What's the point of even living? Exactly. So, I... Uh, it's just a shout out. Shout out to to the Olympians. Shout out to uh, the women Olympians. Very nicely done. Uh, definitely proud to be. Even though I didn't watch very much, a lot of people. I mean, their viewership was down. I mean, a ton. A ton. I mean, they were down like forty percent or something crazy uh, from the last Olympics. Even on top of that, you know, it's still a great day to live in the United States. We're still better than everybody else. I yeah, love we it. We are. 
we we are the best country in the world and we have the most impressive athletes in the world men's and women's alike it's true it is true all right so i you guys didn't see this until i showed you before the show but there was this crazy debacle that happened at coors field a few nights ago there was a batter up uh by the name of uh Lewis Brinson, he plays for for the Miami Marlins, playing in Coors Field in Colorado against the Colorado Rockies, and later in the game, and there was this kind of, on the broadcast, there was a word that was being tossed around, and people were kind of unsure what was being said. Let's show the video first, before I break it down. Let's show this video okay. first, actually. Okay. Three yesterday. Here's the 1-0. And again, it's 2-0, and... This is not to pick on, on Ben. Hits today. Three yesterday. Here's the 1-0. And again, it's 2-0. And this is not to pick on, on Hits today. Three yesterday. Here's the 1-0. And again, it's 2-0. And this is not to pick on. So that night, Colorado Rockies, MLB, all released statements saying that, you know, they condone the language. I don't know what everybody heard. Um... You know, if you're coming in there from a, uh, a blank slate, you may have, have heard something. Uh, in fact, just to make sure that people understand, that was, in fact, the word dinger uh, that was being yelled. So, essentially, what happened the night before, Rockies, MLB all came out and said, we you know we condone hate speech, can't say things like that, we'll figure out who it is, we're going to keep it in an inclusive environment, whoever did say that will be banned um, from Coors Field, MLB won't ever be able to come in. Uh, essentially, what happened the next morning is reporters went out and actually dug around and figured out what was happening. So the reason that video zoomed in on that guy specifically is that's the guy who was yelling dinger. And he was yelling dinger not because of the home run call, like wanting to get a home run, but the mascot for Colorado is – his name is Dinger. So he was trying to get his attention and take a photo. He was screaming and yelling. Uh, pretty interesting stuff. People were still convinced that he was, in fact, not saying dinger uh, but using the racial slur. Um, but everybody around him who was in the stands actually emailed the Rockies organization and said, we were here. He was yelling dinger. Uh, don't, you know, drag this guy through the muck. Uh, he was not yelling a racial slur. So the next day, Colorado released the video. They also said, we did our investigation. We're satisfied with the fact that he was in fact yelling dinger, our team's mascot, um, which would have, which is good news, right? That's good news. Yeah. <laughs> I, I would say specific for that guy. It's probably very relieving to be like, I know what I said. Right. He definitely was drunk. Believe like, me. He definitely was a little intoxicated because it, it was like, I mean, it was kind of like, it was a little like drawled. There, right? there was, there was some length to the word dinger. Yeah, there definitely was. I mean, he was pumped though. He was pumped though to get that mascot's attention. And uh, yeah, he, he got his attention. He got the attention of the rest of the United States as well. Cause this thing blew up on Twitter that night and the next day. I mean, every major personality from sports to pop culture to politics. I mean, everybody was was jumping on board here. Uh, and so, unfortunately for that guy, for the little bit of time, he definitely was at the center of not a great situation. Uh, but pretty looking back now, kind of a, I think it's funny. I think it's funny looking back. Yeah, I mean, a little bit. It's, it's funny yeah. because I think it just goes to show this unrelenting need to be woke without needing to be woke right like there's a time in the in a place to call people out for things that they shouldn't be doing and uh when you call someone out yeah. for doing something that they shouldn't be doing when they weren't doing what you called them out for is uh an interesting take an interesting way to go about it um it's also interesting too because 
uh, all of these sports outlets and media outlets, journalists who come who came out and said, "This is what happened. This is what was said," and it's like, you. It took someone probably five minutes the next morning to actually do some research and be like, "Oh, that's actually, in fact, he wasn't saying that." Uh, let's uh, let's take a step back here. So it's it's that need to be first in this world of media with Twitter that I think a lot of news organizations don't appreciate. And uh, they, it, it ends up being wrong. I mean, this was a situation yeah. where a lot of people were wrong. And uh, it could have been a lot worse. It could have been, been a lot it worse. Been, and good for the people, like, around him who probably don't know right. the guy, who were very, like, okay, Went out of I their understand way. that this is potentially a very horrible situation, which it does not need to be right. reaching out to the organization. Yeah, and, like, uh, go, going out of their way the with, with nobody, you know, pressuring them to do so. Uh, they all reached out, phone calls, emails, however they wanted to get in, in contact with the Rockies and uh, help this guy from not getting destroyed <laughs> uh, for something that he did not say. Uh, keeping in the MLB here, we talked about this last week. Uh, we didn't know for sure who it was going to be, but Barstool Sports and the Major League Baseball uh, Association are looking into partnering up two broadcast games sometime soon. It doesn't have a year, doesn't have any sort of details aside from the fact that they are the ones, in fact, talking with Barstool. Two broadcast games. I like it. I said the same thing last week. I think Barstool is a perfect place to get involved, especially for baseball, which has the least amount of young fans right now. I think the the drive and the uh, attraction that Barstool has for younger fans is really big for MLB. And the thing that people don't understand is it's not it's going to be centralized on Barstool as much as it's going to be around sports betting. And there's no better way to get young fans involved without taking all of their money through betting, right? Like, you, you, we want to bankrupt people. That's the only way we can have fun. Um, but, no, the, uh, I, 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 like the I, I like it. I think it's a solid move. I think Barstool's hate can be warranted here and there, but I don't think they're – do you th- – it, do you think a company with a female CEO could be inherently sexist? I mean, like, I don't think so. They could. I think they could. They could say the wrong things and put themselves in bad situations. Yeah. But I don't think the organization as a whole. I don't think. I don't know. I, it's hard to say because I mean, an organization is so much different than the individual. Right. I that 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 is true. I think. I think Barstool's hate is overblown. In my opinion, they definitely deserve some. Don't get me wrong. They do a lot of things that. Uh, allow people to really attack them. And I think Portnoy, former CEO of Barstool, I think uh, brings it upon himself. I think he likes it. He even said, he's like, I can't be canceled, which is not a, you know, dangerous, I think. Yeah, that's a dangerous sentence. It's dangerous, but I think it's kind of true. Like, it's, it's almost like he's too big to fail. I don't know. Is- I, I think no matter how big you are, you still have, you know, the, what is it? The, the, the bigger they are, the harder they fall. That, that's true. That is true, and he would he would fall pretty hard. Yeah, he, he, he would. He, that fall would really be hard. meteoric. Yeah, I mean that would would set media ablaze. Um, he he just started started a fight with the Empire State Building a couple days ago because one of Barstool's employees are leaving to go become uh, the PR lead of the uh, Empire State Building. So he was like roasting the Empire State Building, to saying how bad of a like terrible poorly made building the Empire State Building was. And uh, yeah, he just has fun with it. But I think I think this this partnership is going to be better for baseball in the long run. I think its fan base probably aligns a little more with what Barstool does. Not so much the older crowd, but I think if it wants to bring in the younger crowd, this is the best way to do it. Sports betting in the United States is only going to get larger. And if, if baseball wants to be one of the first ones to have a, a big partnership with a, an organization like Barstool, I say go for it. 
I think it's it's the right thing to do for them. I don't think it's going to bring too much negative attention. If anything, it's going to bring more positive attention. And uh, again, any sort of publicity in any regard is good publicity. Uh, more clicks, more interactions, more money from advertisers. They're not stupid. I mean, MLB knows what they're doing here. I'm pretty sure they've had discussions about this days and days and days, just making sure that this is the right decision. And I think it is. And I think this will be a, a big boon for MLB moving forward. And uh, we'll see if it can compete with e their deals with ESPN, Fox, Turner, and see what Barstool can do. They already had the Arizona Bowl that they just got their naming rights to, that they're going to be broadcasting on Barstool Sports on the internet, uh, on all their streaming platforms. So I, I think Barstool is making a lot of moves. And uh, I think Barstool is going to become one of the larger sports conglomerates here at one point based off of the fact that they're so focused on, on sports betting. And we've seen what sports betting can do in the, in the grand scheme of things. Washington State's right behind. Northern Quest is opening up their sports betting here, actually, probably within the next month. So that'll be exciting to check in on. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think it's good. good. Good move for MLB, bad move. Uh, I think it's probably a good move for MLB, especially with the, I guess, like decline in viewership, specifically catered right. to baseball. And I love baseball, but it's it can be pretty dang boring to watch compared to all other professional sports 100 so i think it's a it's a smart decision on their end yeah real smart probably by barstool i think that's yeah a huge move for them i mean if they can i mean they they have already penn sports betting who they have a massive partnership with uh portnoy owns a lot of stake in that and i i think i think both organizations it's going to be extremely beneficial to both um in in pretty much every regard so uh we'll uh we'll keep an eye on that moving forward for sure uh the other Company I want to talk about, though, <clears throat> that's even better than Barstool Sports uh, is Windermere Services Mountain West. They probably service over 60 Windermere offices in eastern Washington, Idaho, eastern Oregon, and Montana. They are all in for their local communities. At Windermere Services Mountain West, relationships are the foundation of their business. Their mission is to be successful, team-oriented real estate professionals. They're committed to exceeding expectations through exceptional customer service. They are Windermere. Windermere Services Mountain West is committed to the communities in which they live and work in. They are all in for you. You want to buy a house? Interested in any, any of you back there? Um, I, uh, Vinny already has a house. I would love to have a house, but you're going to use uh, Windermere services Mountain West. I, I know they'll get you the best deal. This is true. This is true. I might have to, they, they get you the best deal. They have the best team of professionals and, uh, happy that they are on board because they, uh, they're local Scott Wetzel, longtime, uh, uh, compatriot. Um, great, great guy. They do great work over there. All right, sticking with uh, these leagues and their decisions, just yesterday the NFL uh, just announced some rule rules that they want to emphasize for the 2021-22 season. They do it every single year. A couple years ago, they, they wanted to focus on holding calls, and we saw, I mean, 10 holding calls a game. It was horrible. It was boring. Uh, the NFL gets this rap of being the no-fun league when, in fact, I mean, they – blow every single uh, other sports league out of the water as far as viewership goes and revenue. These teams are worth billions and billions of dollars, massive, massive leagues. But they do send out the rule changes and points of emphasis every year. Uh, a lot of minor ones this year, kickoff formations, illegal forward pass rules. One, though, that is really getting a lot of flack and people are really focusing on is their emphasis on taunting calls that is already a rule, but they just want to emphasize a little bit more. They did send out a video to the league on two calls that will be emphasized and ones that they'll be watching out for. Uh, let's take a look at that video here real quick. 
The NFL Players Association, coaches, and competition committee have all made a strong statement regarding respect among everyone on the field. We saw an increase in actions that clearly are not within the spirit and intent of this rule and not representative of the respect due opponents and others on the field. Game officials have been instructed to strictly enforce the taunting rules, and players and coaches are reminded that two taunting penalties committed by an individual player will result in automatic disqualification. In addition, the taunting player may be fined and or suspended, depending on the severity of the actions. So don't get me wrong, I understand the NFL wants to be a better role model for its young players. They don't want their players to come into the league with this idea of they need to flex on everybody who they run over, and they don't want people to spike balls in people's faces. This has been a rule for a long time. Uh, I didn't think either one were too bad. I think the flexing one's a little bit worse because I think that could start problems. Um, I don't like the ability to spike balls in people's faces. I didn't think Jarvis Landry's was that bad. Uh, Paris Campbell, again, flexing on him probably isn't great, but it didn't really look like Landry, Landry was taunting him that much. Uh, if, the fact that they pointed out these two was a little surprising. I mean, I've seen a lot worse uh, taunting calls, um, or no calls, I should say, than these two, and these actually got flagged anyway, at least the uh, Paris Campbell one did. So it's not going to ruin the experience. I mean, you'll probably see this maybe once a game, and uh, it could it could be a big deal, but again, these guys are all adults. I mean, even the kids who are coming out of out of college, I mean, they're they're twenty years old, twenty one years old, um, essentially adults who should understand that the rules are there in, in place, and you have to adjust. And the teams that get bit by it are going to complain and whine. And uh, I don't care. I don't care. I think if the rules are in place, teams should be able to adjust. And unfortunately, I already know what's going to happen here in a couple months when I do this show. The Seahawks are going to get called for a uh, ridiculous taunting call, and we come on here and complain about it to you uh, because that's what we do here. Um, we jump around and uh, we uh, say we like something until it, it uh, hurts your team, and then you hate it. So I'm sure I'll be there in a little little bit. But for now, I think uh, it is what it is. It kind of sucks, but at the same time, it's probably good that young kids watching this don't learn to – you know, just be douchebags. And so this this could help that moving forward. Uh, so we'll see if that becomes a big deal here in the preseason. Games tonight, the first actual official week of preseason kicks off tonight. And uh, Seahawks play Saturday. So we'll have a little bit of a breakdown, a little bit of uh, stuff to go over here on the show next week. And um, I'm excited. I'm excited for Seahawks football to, to, to come back. They uh, they play the Raiders this weekend. Not much time. We'll, we'll go to the starters. They never do in the first game. Um, that's just the way it goes. So we'll see how who actually does play. A lot of young guys that Seattle needs to get a good look at, and uh, we'll see how some of these rule tweaks actually do affect the gameplay as the season progresses. Uh, and we'll switch it over here to uh, the different football across the world. Some soccer news here. U.S. Women's National Team did win the Gold Cup here a couple weeks ago, and uh, nice one nil victory. Huge, huge game. The first time they had won the Gold Cup in in 15 years. Uh, they beat Mexico twice this this summer in uh, championship games, and uh, this was a big deal because the United States sent a B squad to go play this tournament. Mexico brought their strongest lineup possible, and uh, it was expected Mexico was going to win it. I expected Mexico to win it. Everybody expected Mexico to win it, but the U.S. was was able to come together, a lot of young guys, and uh, they ended up scoring late on in the game and uh, took home the, the Gold Cup title. And uh, with that win, FIFA released its, its rankings. They do it every month. And uh, 
the U.S. men's national team is actually in the top 10. They're 10th in the world right now, one spot behind Mexico. It's their first time being ranked in the U.S. Men, in the, sorry, in the FIFA ranking since 2006. So uh, I don't think they should be ranked that high. 10's awfully high for a team that uh, has been terrible. You know, it's, that's what they've been uh, for a while now. They didn't even make the last World Cup, which is ridiculous for, you know, we just talked about how much success the, the United States has in international tournaments, international uh, sports. And the fact that our soccer team couldn't even make the World Cup last qualifying cycle was pretty embarrassing. But uh, Greg Berhalter has that team really on a high right now. They've got a lot of experienced players now with uh, this Gold Cup roster that was full of young kids, none of none of which really are, are expected to start uh, for these Olympic qualifying games. So great news, great job by the U.S. men's national team. Uh, top 10 rankings that just came out today. Spot behind Mexico, which is fine. We'll uh, We'll get them later on. Uh, all right. Now, uh, yeah, we have the Hall of Fame. We, we talked about the Hall of Fame games that were happening last week's first time that the NFL had football, and it will be the, la the last week without football until February. So uh, awesome there. The Hall of Fame game was boring, though. The Steelers-Cowboys uh, game, Cowboys didn't even score a touchdown. Steelers didn't score a touchdown until later on in the game. Um, but they had some Hall of Fame. The reason for it is the Hall of Fame. Uh, so Seahawks had Steve Hutchinson get inducted into the Hall of Fame, which was really cool. He was put in as a Viking, which is stupid, even though I guess he spent a year longer with Minnesota. But he was drafted by the Seahawks, you know, learned how to become a better football player with, with Seattle and Walter Jones and that off, uh, awesome offensive line they had there in the mid-2000s in Seattle. But I do want to call out my jabroni for the week is, in fact, statue artists. The people who build these busts of famous athletes to put them in Hall of Fames. There on the left there is Peyton Manning, of course. My irk with this is that's an awful facial expression. I've never seen Peyton Manning make that face, ever. And he's a pretty common guy to be seen on TV. Uh, he'll be in bro NFL broadcast booths this fall. Peyton Manning doesn't make that face. I've never seen that man frown once. No. No. It, it's 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 crazy. I don't I don't know where I don't know if Peyton okayed it. I don't know. I don't think they see them actually. I don't think they do get the okay. Um, I, I I don't know how that happened. Uh, it's not nearly as bad though as Ronaldo, who three years ago had that face hit that his bus get revealed at uh, Madeira Airport in Spain, and uh, I I don't know if uh, if that's very good either unfortunately it's definitely worse than Peyton's statue that's uh that's something you'd see in a horror film that's the, that that's something that guy's chasing you down he's just walking but he's somehow keeping pace with you and he's gonna kill you yeah it's it's not pleasant to look at no no not at all uh Emmanuel Santos is the one who did Cristiano Ronaldo three years ago um he made it a lot better I guess I should have given you the better statue but that's all right we just he's he's the jabroni so emmanuel santos is the jabroni um i don't know who did peyton manning's uh but whoever that is also should have done better i think it's someone in the hall of fame who does all of them but uh that doesn't look like him uh and he's never made that face in his entire life so uh good try maybe do better next time and uh on this day in sports history, I actually like these. I think they're fun. I, I think there's a lot of interesting things that happen. This uh, On this date in 1876, Madeline beat Countess Dufresne in the fourth America's Cup. USA beat Canada there. The first National, National Archery Association tournament happened in Chicago in, in 1879. 
1928, the Summer Olympic Games closed in Amsterdam. And in 1936, after a 24-year absence of baseball uh, at the Olympics, two American teams played at the Berlin Olympics. The world champions beat the U.S. Olympics 6-5. to five. And probably the coolest thing on this date in sports history, in 1936, American diver uh, Majori Gestring won the three-meter springboard gold at the Berlin Olympics, the youngest Olympic gold medalist of all time. She was only 13 years old. Wow. She was 13 years old. 80, 90 years ago, she won a gold medal at the Berlin, Berlin Olympics. That's, that's quite the peak for a 13-year-old That's a kid. sixth grader. Yeah, that's crazy. What, what were you guys all doing in sixth grade? Not winning gold medals, that's for damn sure. Nah, I was very much the opposite of that. Yeah, <laughs> that's probably fair. Uh, so good, good for her. She's probably dead though. <laughs> let's uh, let's be honest here. Thirteen, yeah, she's definitely gone. Let's see when she died. Still impressed, but I just uh, I'd like to uh, like to see here. Yeah, she died in 1992. She's from LA. Um, that's crazy. She's yeah, still the youngest insane. ever uh, to win. I don't think she really did much more though, which is also very odd. Springboard, yeah, springboard diver. Hmm, interesting. Her spouse was Edward Carter. They got married in 1943. She got married seven years, so she was married when she was 20. Edward Carter was a nobody. That's okay, though. His wife was pretty special. But he did marry a, a gold medal Olympian. Right, so. right, and they are both dead. Both gone. Both gone from this earth. R.I.P. R.I.P. Majority gesturing. And, all right, closing time here. You got my photo of Rui? I sure do. Let me see it. Put it up there. So a couple months ago, NBA 2K basketball series announced their cover athletes. Rui Hachimura was one of them. I missed that a few months ago, but this is actually the release of what the cover will look like. Unfortunately for fans of Rui and the GU men's basketball team, this will not be available in the United States. This will be only available in his native of native Japan, which is still sweet. That's an awesome honor to be on the cover of a oh, sports video game. It's really cool. And it's a really cool cover. That is a really nice cover. I like the combination of, of red and blue there and the white. Um, so it's kind of going it's going off of obviously the Washington Wizards color, but it's kind of nice. It's like, hey, Japan, look at all these American colors flowing in your face. Um, but really cool for him. He's probably Japan's largest athlete right now. Uh, riding a really nice high. People are obsessed with him. Japan really just doesn't put out good basketball players. So having Rui to be a cover athlete in Japan is uh, really cool news for him, the Washington Wizards, Spokane, GU Basketball, pretty much everybody who is involved with Rui one way or another. Awesome story there. My other closing time that I do want to mention as well, because I think it's a crazy story, is J.R. Smith, former NBA basketball player, former NBA champion who uh, just retired, is planning to enroll at North Carolina A&T State University to pursue a degree in liberal studies. He is planning on uh, golfing for the Aggies. He's just waiting for the NCAA to sort out his eligibility. It Since he didn't play college sports, he is technically eligible. This is not the first time this has happened, though. Chris Winkie was 25 when he enrolled at Florida State. After six seasons of professional baseball, he then led, actually, he led Florida State to a national title in 1999. He won the Heisman Trophy a year later when he was 28. Uh, essentially, the NCAA says that an individual shall not be eligible for intercollegiate athletics in a sport if the individual ever competed on a professional team in that sport. So the laws do not ban a former pro athlete from competing in a different sport. 
Multiple college athletes have played professional sports before returning to school to compete in Division One athletics. That's awesome. That's pretty sweet. Yeah, I don't like really J.R. Cool. Smith. He's, he's, he just kind of sucks. Um, but he's a very interesting guy. Yeah, I mean, good for him for, you know, succeeding in the sport he played professionally right. and then deciding, cool, you know what? I did great here. I'm going to go get educated. And good I don't know him. if he's like a, able to get a scholarship. He probably doesn't need it. But probably not. If <laughs> I... We'll, I'll keep an eye on that because that'd be kind of interesting stuff. I don't think uh, I don't think he'd get he'd get any federal funding at least. I don't think uh, I don't think the United States would give him any funding. Yeah, um, I don't think so. After he filled out his whatever, what form was that? What form do you have to fill out to get your college? Oh, you're FAFSA. Asking. There you go. Yeah, I don't oh, think okay. I don't FAFSA, think I don't think you get any money from from FAFSA. Probably not. Probably not. <laughs> Hopefully not. Right. Uh, he is a millionaire, so he should be fine. Um, but awesome. I mean, that that is that is pretty cool. The fact that he does have the quality to. Uh, do that but again at age 35 and not playing much the last couple of years he's had plenty of time to hang out on the golf course so i'm yeah, sure yeah, he, I mean, uh, very, very cool for him he'll do something for him right he'll uh, he'll put together something and uh, make a little uh, side career of golf and uh, maybe lead the aggies there uh, to a uh, national title you never know you never truly know so all right well that was uh that was the locker room here show number 55 here without andrew tenney once again and uh, god i think i works too much he works i mean yeah, he works a lot. He does work a lot. Manitou is pretty cool up there, though. Uh, if you've never had a chance to go up to the country club, actually, you have to be a member anyway, I guess. So you have to become a member. It's pretty expensive, but he do- does work up there. What's what's the bar he pours at? Um, the bartends at? I do not remember. I'll I don't remember. Head. I don't remember either. But if you ever see him out, out and about, uh, he does work a lot. He should be back next week unless he gets sucked into work once again. Uh, we'll have a little bit of Seahawk talk. Like I said, they play Saturday against the Raiders in their first preseason game. So that is good news for NFL fans. NFL does also kick off first week of preseason tonight. Mariners are playing the Texas Rangers. Sounders just had a nice win. Uh, they also play in MLS play uh, here this weekend. Portland on set on Sunday night at 7 p.m. I think that's it. I think that's it for all the all the big sports. Um, but we'll uh, again, we'll keep you updated over the rest of the summer as the NFL starts getting kicked off. We'll have our fantasy show here in a couple weeks as well. Give you all the good fantasy advice for the best draft possible. And uh, yeah, thanks for, thanks for coming by. We'll, uh, we'll see you here next week. Again, this is the locker room in the uh, presented by Spokane talks in the Holly Mason building, downtown Spokane. We'll see you next week.